0: Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 14 this morning. This is what the Bible says. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again the Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would add your blessing to your word. Once again, speak to all of our hearts and minds today, and let us leave here differently than how we walked in. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. I think this is a A a story of the Bible that is probably the most popular, most famous story of the Bible. You could talk to people who are unbelievers and they understand, at least have heard of Moses parting the Red Sea and they've heard of the Israelites fleeing Egypt. There was a whole movie. I believe in the early 2000s, called Prince of Egypt. It was an animated movie based on this story. is very popular even amongst the non-believers of the world, believe it or not. And whether you like the old school movie, you like the newer school movies, or you just like the good old-fashioned Bible story, you prefer the book, which I prefer to read the book, you, you have heard this before. Israel had been captive for 400 years by Egypt. They, they grew up. Joseph moved into Egypt. If you kind of remember the story of Joseph, I'm not going to get into all of that. Then he died, and they kind of forgot about him. A new pharaoh came into town who did not know Joseph, did not know the legacy. And as Israel grew in number, they became fruitful and multiplied. Uh, pharaoh got nervous. He was worried that they might do something to take his power, so eventually he enslaved the Israel people, the Hebrew people, and ruled over them for 400 years. That's a long time to be enslaved. And now Moses comes along and he begins this, this to answer the call of God on his life after he goes through some stuff. He kills a guard to protect one of the Hebrews because Moses himself is a Hebrew. He was hidden by his mother and flo- floated down the Nile in a basket that she wove and ended up in the house of Pharaoh being raised there. And, and so if, just to give you some background on it, now Moses kills this guard and protecting one of the Hebrews flees. And comes back after having a burning bush experience, and God calls him, and Moses made excuse after excuse after excuse of why he couldn't do it, which sounds like a lot of us, but that's another message for another time. And and now eventually he answers this call, and he begins to go and confront Pharaoh on this journey, and, he, and God sends plague after plague to, to loosen up and, and deal with Pharaoh, who has a very hard heart. And eventually, Pharaoh finally says, they can go. He's had enough, he's seen enough, lost enough, been stubborn enough, and God broke through to him eventually. But even in this last moment of him saying, they can go and be free, what ends up happening is one last moment of hard-heartedness, Pharaoh says, "Now we can't let them get away. we got to pursue them and hunt them down. So now Israel has now fled Egypt. They're on their way, and they're being led into a place flowing with milk and honey, known as the promised land to us. And now they find themselves encamped, and they have the Red Sea here, and they have the Egyptian army behind them chasing them down, and they are terribly afraid. They find themselves caught in the middle of an army and an ocean. And they have this moment of great doubt, great fear. Looking back and seeing behind us, we have a life of slavery, a life of misery, a life of captivity, and in front of us is a whole lot of unknown. We know we're supposed to be heading to this promised land, but right now we have the Red Sea in front of us. Right now we have wilderness that we are living in. Right now there's a lot of uncertainties. And I find that we can relate a lot to this in our own personal lives. A lot of times I think we find ourselves caught in the middle of a lot of situations. Sometimes we are closing the chapter on a book to start a new chapter, but it's almost like the story has totally taken a turn, and we don't really know what's going to happen anymore. We went from all the certainty in Egypt. They knew they were going to have food. They knew they were going to have water. But they also were being beaten and tortured and put into great misery. And they had all of this behind them. But for whatever reason, they found comfort in that. They found comfort in their slavery. And so now when they're in this wilderness season, they're now beginning to question Moses and say, couldn't you have just left us alone? Why did we have to be, be freed from this? And the funny thing is, is before they were freed, they were begging God to free them. They wanted to be freed until they were being freed. Because a lot of times these things sound better in theory than they end up being in practice. In our own minds, we like to create a fantasy of what leaving Egypt is going to look like. In their minds, they probably didn't have it made up to where they were going to be chased down by the Egyptian army and be pinned between the army and the sea. And so now they find themselves caught in this predicament that I think if we wanted to fill in the metaphorical blanks on, many of us have found ourselves caught in where we have left Egypt, we have left slavery, or we are trying to leave slavery of some kind. And listen, there are many different kinds of slavery. There, there is sin slavery. There's the, the slavery of that comes from our minds and our mental state, our fears, our doubts. We can live in a prison of doubt, but we can also live in a prison of complacency and comfort. There are many different styles of Egypt. And everybody's Egypt is a little bit different. And if, we wanted, if I went around the room and said, what was your Egypt? Some of you would say, well, I was addicted to drugs. I was selling drugs. I was, I was into alcohol. I was into partying. I was into, into adultery and all kinds of mess. And I, I was a gossip. I was a liar. I was a thief. We could go around here and you could tell me what held you captive before you found Jesus. But the reality of it is no matter who you are, at some point in time, we found ourselves in an Egypt. Begging to be freed. But now we have found this new freedom and we don't know what to do with ourselves. It's the same reason why so many people, they get freed from something but never submit themselves to a discipleship process and become faithful to a church. They find themselves right back in Egypt again because that's what they knew. They don't know how to part the Red Sea and cross over because they they don't have the faith, they don't have the discipleship to understand the steps to take and the obedience that they are to have with God. And so as, as they get to this point where they're just caught in the middle, their natural instinct is, well, at least there I had food, at least there I had a roof over my head, I wasn't out in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, at, at least there I knew where I stood in society, at least there I, I had some level of protection, I didn't have to worry about wild animals, and I didn't have to worry about the weather coming in. In and reckon us as a society and there i mean there was 2 million people they estimate that was complaining at this moment i can't even imagine how moses must have felt he actually i know at one point he he questioned i said god what's going on here i'm giving you the brandon scott translation he says how these people how, how could we lead them out and he says listen moses don't worry about it i've got this covered but the problem is is when you have 2 million people complaining, you're, you're sitting there like, God, we got to do something quick or this is going to turn into a mutiny and they're going to start tearing into each other. Because you know there was different levels of faith in that crowd. I can't sit here and believe that everybody was a complainer. I like to picture the old-timey church mother that was walking by and said, Oh, come on, baby. I knew he wasn't on time, God. I knew he'd answer our prayers. Then you had others that, that that didn't even get to see the freedom because they were at the beginning of this that had laid the foundation of prayer and crying out to God ahead of time. And then you have people that had just gotten so used to being in, in slavery that they may not have even wanted to leave. They probably were perfectly content with their life, but they're leaving because Moses showed up and pulled them all out of there, and they're like, I I didn't even care to leave to begin with. Then you got people who wanted to leave until they were leaving and realized, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Can we go back? You had all these different levels of faith and different levels of of thinking in this situation, and it led to this chaotic moment, and and it's in this, in, in time where if we just look at recent history in our own country of all the division over opinions on vaccines and masks and and should we go here or should we just stay locked down and just even that one issue the racial issues and and the the all kinds of mess the war is now that's happening in Israel is now causing division within our country. A war that's not even being fought on our soil has people siding with both sides of it. And it's getting crazy. And I can only imagine what it was like then for these people when they they had this moment of, well, we were comfortable there. Why not go back? Why should we keep moving forward? I'm trying to paint the picture for us today so we can relate a little bit to these people because we have found ourselves at some point in time caught in the middle of two realities not knowing what to do with ourselves. And what happened was, in this situation, is these people didn't like the wilderness. They didn't like being caught in the middle. And when you find yourself in this place, a lot of times it will have you romanticizing the past. You will forget the slavery and captivity because you remember the comfort that you had. You remember your complacency and you liked being complacent. You like being in a place where you just know what's going to happen every day. For people that have been in this situation before, if you are anybody that has ever been in a past situation, if you have found yourself going back to the past because you didn't know what to do moving forward, you can understand this. You will look back and you will see everything that happened in the past and you will look at all the highlight reels, but you will forget the underlying pain and suffering that you experienced. And it's only because you are uncomfortable and you don't know what's going on in the middle. So they find themselves in this wilderness. And I I need us to understand some things about the wilderness today. First thing we need to understand about the wilderness is the wilderness is a place of great growth. You see, if we don't ever go to the middle, if we don't ever go to the wilderness, we got to understand that the wilderness is a place of preparation for us. You learn to trust God in the wilderness. In Egypt, if you are in Egypt, you rely on the vices of slavery rather than the freedom of God. You see, I say vices of slavery. They will use food. They will use the high. They will use the drunkenness. The the Egyptians, the past, the enemy will use the memories. He'll use the hostage type mentality that whatever he can use to keep you comfortable in Egypt, he will use to do so. He will do it so that way you don't want to leave. He will create these vices to make you believe that you'll never make it anywhere else. That you'll never survive outside of Egypt. There's a reason why people who leave prison end up back in prison. And many times they'll say, I couldn't function on the outside. And so people have intentionally gone back because it's the only place they know how to live. They've become institutionalized. They don't know how to live a life of freedom because they've gotten so accustomed to the life of captivity. They know that there they got three hots and a cot. They can work out. They can play basketball. There's a library. There's all these things, and they're comfortable there. They don't have to rely on on figuring things out for themselves because somebody else is already telling them what to do, and it's created an environment that they don't want to leave in some cases. And so we we have this where if we never get to the wilderness we never learn how to trust and rely on God. Because if you look later on in the story of Israel even after they passed the Red Sea which we'll get through here get to here in a moment But when they get out there, they're like, well, we had food in Egypt, and now we're hungry, so God provided manna. Well, we were thirsty. At least we had water in Egypt, so God told Moses, hit that rock, and he did, and water flowed out for them to drink. We see it time and time again throughout this time in the wilderness before they could ever reach the promised land of them complaining and whining, comparing where they're at to where they were, and really the only time we should ever look at where we are as compared to where we were is to look at how far we've come from where we were and to praise God. And so we see this constant this constant progression of, well, at least in Egypt, they took care of us and they fed us. We had a roof over our head. We had food. And so now God is teaching them, listen, I'm the provider. So here's manna, here's water, here's everything that you need to make it in the wilderness, teaching them how to rely and trust him. You aren't ready for the promised land until you are able to trust the one who gave you the promise you will mishandle the promise if you don't learn how to trust god you will never be able to be grateful and to truly thrive in the land flowing with milk and honey until you've learned how to survive on water from a rock and manna from the sky you you won't so the wilderness is a place of growth where we learn to trust God. But also the wilderness is designed to break your ties with the past. It's, easy, it's easier to get you out of Egypt than it is to get the Egypt out of you. They had to get to a point where they had forgotten what it was like to live in Egypt because they'd been living under the power of God for so long. They had to wander in the wilderness because that's the only way that they could be truly prepared and truly ready to step into the next season of life because you can't have the promised land until you've left Egypt behind. Because if, not, if you, the Egypt doesn't get out of you, you will take Egypt into whatever God's leading you to. And whatever the Egypt is that is in, on the inside of you will corrupt the promise of God for your life. You can't step into that season until Egypt is totally removed from you. That's why they had to go through a wilderness season they had to have egypt removed from their hearts cuz they still thought like egyptians even though they were israelites and they were kept separate from the general population in egypt they still were influenced by the culture by by the 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 traditions they still had some influence on them they understood how they thought they knew the way the society functioned they understood the civilian life and how how the government structure was set up and and they they wanted they, they God wanted to get that out of them and had to get that out of them before he could establish a covenant land with them and, and a new society and set up what would become the nation of Israel later. These were the Israel people, Israelite people, and God was trying to get them ready for everything he wanted them to be, but he did not want Egypt tracked and brought in to the promise. And so we have to go through a wilderness season or we'll never learn to trust God and we'll never be purged of the Israel, or the Egypt that is within us and we will destroy everything that God has set up for us. We have to get Egypt out of us. And now we look at the army pursuing them and yes, that's a scary situation, but I would beg to argue that we need to learn how to thank God for the Egyptian army in our life. We even need to learn to thank God for the, for the moment where the pressure gets turned up in Egypt. If you look in the Scripture, I'm not going to go read it for you now, but you can go read it for yourself. Just read the whole book of Exodus. It's the whole story. Excuse me. When Moses first shows up on the scene, he says, Can I take these people away for just a period of time for them to worship and sacrifice? Pharaoh gets a little nervous, and he's like, uh I, I, no, we're not taking them away from their work. We're, we're not going to allow them to be lazy. And so he begins to turn up the heat. He takes away their straw. they got to go harvest their own straw to make these bricks to build. And he begins to put the pressure on and, and doesn't lower the requirement of bricks, but instead leaves it the same so that they have to continue on. The pressure begins to be turned up, and now this army is pursuing. And I truly believe that if it wasn't for the pressure and it wasn't for the pursuing army, that we would stay in the middle we would never leave the nest to spread our wings and fly towards god's promises for our life if it wasn't for the pursuing army they may have said we don't need to cross the red sea we can just set up camp right here and be let's be real here moses is outnumbered 2 million to 1 that's a lot they outnumber him they don't have to listen to moses necessarily yet they don't they haven't built enough trust in him as a leader yet to really follow him through the Red Sea blindly. So I believe they were brought to the Red Sea, and I believe God even released the Egyptian army to sick them so that way they would feel the pressure and the heat so that way they would know, we got to do something or we're going to be slaughtered. And they begin to complain, and, and I, I beg to believe that they even were at one point, said, let's just surrender and go back so nobody dies. We'll say, listen, we made a mistake, we'll come back. And I guarantee you going back would have been the worst mistake of their life. It would have been 10 times worse, if not more, if they would have surrendered in that moment because they would have been punished for leaving. I guarantee you that. It is never the better option to go back. It always ends up worse than when you started there. And so they were in this moment, and if it would not have been for the army, they would have just said, hey, we're comfortable here in the middle. Let's stay here. Let's set up camp here. we got this body of water. We can fish. We can build. We can start growing some crops. We, we know how to do that stuff. And, and, and they would have just stayed comfortable in the middle and never reached where God wanted them to be. So sometimes when that stuff from the past when that Egyptian army is pursuing you, it, we have two options. We can surrender and go back or we can use it as motivation to push forward. And I would encourage you today to push forward. We see in the scriptures that as the 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 pressure is building as the army is pursuing in Exodus 14:22 or 21 and 22, It says, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, all night, and made the sea dry land. I want to pause there for a moment. I don't know. I'm I'm not the smartest or sharpest tool in the shed. Sometimes I'm a few fries short of a happy meal, if I do say so myself. I'm willing to admit that. But I think I am smart enough to figure out That if water sits on a piece of ground long enough, especially on the bottom of a sea, it's not going to be dry. But I I look at this and I, I get to thankful, being thankful for the little parts and the details of the miracle that God performed. Because He didn't just drive the water back, He made the ground dry so that they did not sink in the mud. He truly established a path for them to walk through. And the Bible says, and the waters were divided, and the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. You see, we get to this point where the water's being split. They're walking through the sea, and I really uh, would like to know how that went that next day when the fish had to explain to their boss why they were late for work. It's a... Meme thing I saw a long time ago, like you aren't going to believe why I'm late because it took all night, and you know we see this story, and there have been scholars that have argued that well, you know the the Red Sea really isn't all that deep, we believe it was only anywhere from six inches to two feet of water at that point in time, and there's all these different arguments for that. I'm like, stop downplaying the miracle of God because when you tell me that, I start getting excited that God was able to wipe out the entire Egyptian army with six inches to two feet of water. So either way, it's still a phenomenal miracle that God performed. You see, as they cross over this sea, as they were caught in the middle, this was a moment where they realized that God does have something for us. You see, Moses performed these miracles not for his own enjoyment, not, for any, not to just impress people, but to show people that God's hand was on them and with them. And we really need to understand today that when we are caught in the middle, when we are stuck in this place, that God's hand is on us. If he's brought you out of Egypt, he's not just going to leave you in the wilderness to die. If he's taking you from Egypt to the wilderness, you're only halfway there. There's even a song written about being halfway there. I'm not going to sing it for you. But if you know some of the older music of the 80s and such, you'll, you'll know that what, I, what song I'm talking about. But you're only halfway there. God did not bring you this far to leave you in the middle in the wilderness to die. He didn't. If He brought you this far, we serve a God that finishes what He starts. Philippians 1.6 tells us this, and I am sure of this, that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He will not... Leave you unfinished. He will not leave your story unwritten. The only way it doesn't get finished is if you stay in the middle and you don't cross over and follow. You see, we see this story. they cross over, and I love the sea because these people looked at the sea as like this, almost like being backed into a corner. It's rather than just the doorway for them to step into their promise see, the Red Sea served a purpose. It wasn't to stop the Israelite. It wasn't to corner the Israelites in. The whole purpose of the river and that obstacle that they had to go through, that challenging part of the journey they had to go through, that moment they had to go through was not to stop them or to destroy them. It was to protect them, believe it or not. It was to shut the door on the past like we read at the beginning where God says, and Moses says, these Egyptians you see now you will never see again. There is a moment in time where we have to make up our mind that we are going to go through on dry land. We are going to trust God who has parted the sea for us, who has made a way for us to leave the past behind and you see this red sea represents that moment of when we cross through and we get to the other side there's a, the exodus is really reminiscent and really a representative that's the better word of our faith in Christ we were all in Egypt and then we get saved and then we come to this moment where we have to leave our old life behind where it has to be washed away in the red sea which just paints a picture to me of the blood of Christ being a red sea red like his blood flowing from that cross. As we cross through that Red Sea, we now leave everything of our old life behind as it is destroyed and washed away by his blood. And we now step into a new freedom, a new journey of being molded and shaped into his image and his glory to step into his promises of all that he has for us. But it only happens in these moments of where we have to make a decision of are we going to surrender or die at the hands of the Egyptians are we going to follow the voice of God and we are, are we going to cross through this sea and trust in him? Because once you cross through the sea, there's no turning back. And we should thank God that there's no turning back because none of us should ever desire to go back to Egypt. And you see, we wonder, how, well, how do we make this happen in our life? First, you need to understand you don't make it happen. God does. I'm going to leave you all with this today. Like I said, when God brings you out, He intends to finish what He started in your life. Like God said earlier in the Scripture, He said, all you have to do is be silent. That was a good time to take a drink of water so you could stew on that for just a moment. When you look at the Hebrew word for silent, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. That's not my thing. But I will tell you what it means. When you study this, and if you don't believe me, I'll show you my references after church if you want to see them. There, there, is a, there is a root word at it that connects it, and there's a bunch of words that it's connected to, but at the root of the word, the Hebrew word there for silent, it has a few different meanings in it, that it implies to go along with be silent. It says, believe it or not, to plow, to be deaf, or to be at peace. I just, it is by God moving in me during my studies that I even looked these words up. It was one of those things where I felt like the Holy Spirit said, look up what I mean by be silent. And he showed me to plow, to be deaf, and to be at peace. So this word is implying more than just keeping our mouth shut and holding still. Because you see, when when we get to a moment of crossing the Red Sea, God isn't going to cross it for us. He'll just make the path, and we got to follow it. So it says to plow, it means to move forward, to plow forward regardless of what's in front of you. Don't stop moving forward to cross the Red Sea. When it says to be deaf, it means don't listen to the enemy coming from behind. I, I was so blown away studying this. To be deaf, I mean, tune out. Don't listen to. Be deaf to the water that's on either side of you because I'm sure that there that water could be heard. I'm sure that as that wind blew, the Bible says it was an eastern wind that blew to separate the waters. I believe with everything in me that you could hear that wind and you could hear the water being pushed back and it would be easy to look at that and be like, oh, this doesn't sound so good. This sounds like at any moment we're going to be drowned in, the, in this just as well. And you could hear the footsteps and the chariots and the shouts of the Egyptian army behind you, and you could easily think, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it through this. But when he says, be deaf, he's saying, do not listen to what is happening around you. Be deaf to it. Focus on my voice. Move forward. And then finally, be at peace. Being at peace meaning trust in God to lead you through it. If we keep moving forward, and especially if we are deaf to the Egyptian army behind us and the water to the left and to the right, they really only had one direction they could go. When we are in that situation, we can have peace. And we can trust God that we will make it to the other side. And you see, like I said, that that Red Sea was designed to protect them, not to destroy them. But you see the blood of Christ, as they crossed through that sea, they Moses turned around and released this moment as that last Israelite crossed over, released the sea to crush, and it wiped out the entire Egyptian army. And in that moment, I can I can only imagine. Now, we know later on the Israelites get to whining and complaining again. But in that moment, there was, there, there was worship, there was thanksgiving. Sure, there was still some uncertainty because these people are like, okay, now what? Now we can't go back, which is a good thing, but they don't know that yet. They haven't realized that yet. That this Red Sea, this being caught in the middle that that moment of being caught in the middle was designed as a setup for them not for harm not for destruction but for their freedom for their deliverance and for them to move forward into the promise God had for them you see being caught in the middle is uncomfortable it's not always it's not fun You don't really know what's happening. You just know that I have this coming after me. I have this battle behind me. I have all this this anxiety about what I've just dealt with and been delivered from. And it's coming for me again. And I don't know where I'm going to go. But I promise you that as that army gets closer, God will show you the way out. He will show you the steps you are to take. And it will be through on dry ground. Passing through by the blood of Christ in his grace and mercy. We are the Bible tells us that we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That Egyptian army that pursues us that that all of those things that have tormented us and harassed us can be destroyed in his blood. I know that seems really old-timey to preach on the blood of Jesus, but I still believe in it there there are people who say you shouldn't talk about the blood anymore well I'm going to talk about it till the day I die or the Lord comes back because it's by his blood that all of us are washed our Egypt is washed away our sins are washed away and we have a new life and the ability to step forward into the promises of God will you bow your heads with me today